This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. Hey everyone, this is Ari Mizell with The Art of Less Doing. Welcome to another podcast and thank you for your continued support and listenership. Today I'm going to be interviewing Dave Pell from Next Draft, which is an awesome newsletter that you're going to hear more about, but you've got to sign up for it. I find that one of the things that I focus my time on is being a curator of content. I've written several blog posts about how I go through over a thousand blog items per day and I share them as I see fit, whether it's through social media or in my newsletter or on my weekly posts about interesting things of the week. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a process for sure, and I've had to automate a lot of it in order to get through that. But this is an example of someone doing it the opposite way and just focusing on one thing and doing it really, really well. So I'm sure you'll like the interview, and I hope you guys sign up for, the, for his newsletter. I just want to talk about a couple little things today. One is there's an article in the New York Times about a soup kitchen in Harlem that went from an average wait time for a meal of 90 minutes down to 18 minutes. Basically, Toyota came in and instead of offering money, they offered their expertise in efficiency. Toyota being a Japanese company, they follow the principles of Kaizen, which is essentially a, a Japanese methodology that means continuous improvement. Every process that you go through, you're always looking to improve it, which is very much in line with less doing. I'm always trying to find a, a, a quicker, more efficient, more automated, more outsourced way of doing things. What they did was they looked at how the soup kitchen was running and how they were queuing people up and where they were seating people and how they were clearing areas and, and whatnot, and they were very quickly able to identify areas where they could save time and frustration. So 90 minutes down to 18 minutes is enormous when you're trying to serve an underserved population. And the article gives some other examples of that as well. But it's just a great showing that this company as large as Toyota is recognizing the value of donating expertise in efficiency to something that would normally be neglected and just given a check where it's really that analogy of teaching someone to fish or giving them a fish. So I really love that. Another thing that I want to talk about, too, is about multitasking, which is something that I, I tell people you can't multitask. It's really not something that you can do uh, effectively, except if you're combining activities that require high concentration, or I'm sorry, high focus and low focus. So a good example would be uh, listening to music, that's low focus, and uh, working out, which would be high focus, or brushing your teeth, which would be low focus, and reading a few pages. My example, personally, is that I'm often listening to podcasts while doing other things. So I don't really have to focus too much on the podcast, and then I can focus on whatever else I want to do. So you can multitask as long as you're combining the right activities, high focus and low focus. So if you like the podcast, I would love it if you could review it on iTunes. That would be really helpful. It's, uh, I, I have one review right now, and it's a, it's a good one, fortunately, but it'd be nice to get some more. Uh, I know that a lot of people are listening based on the, the data we're getting from SoundCloud, so I thank you for that. 
And if you haven't signed up for my newsletter, I'm now starting to put out every Wednesday a commentary on two studies of the week, one about productivity and one about wellness, and that's been pretty well received. So I recommend you sign up for that. And with that, here's the interview. Hey, everyone. Today, we've got Dave Pell from Next Draft. Hey, Dave. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Uh, first of all, tell everybody what Next Draft is. Uh, Next Draft is a daily newsletter and iPhone app where I cover the day's top 10 most fascinating news stories. So I basically break it down and describe the news stories, sometimes in a serious way, sometimes in a funny way. And uh, I provide links to the full stories for for people who want to read those. And usually people find two or three stories they want to click through. And for the rest of it, they just sort of settle on my overview. I try to give people enough information to sort of know the gist of the story. So I call it dinner party prep. If you want to know enough information to sort of be ready to talk about it at a dinner party, you get enough from reading the newsletter. And if you are interested in the topic, you can click through and read the whole story. Okay. So the reason I'm so excited, first of all, is because I am such a huge fan of the newsletter. I like, I can't wait to get it every day because you, you said people click through two or three things. I usually nine out of the 10 are usually something that I'm clicking through and then resharing and really enjoying reading. And I'm, I, I'm particularly excited because a lot of times on this podcast, I'll talk to people who are in the productivity space or in the wellness space. But I, I'm, what I'm so fascinated about with you is I, I think that I'm really efficient and I go through about a thousand blog posts a day and then I share what I can. But I can't even imagine how you're able to put together such a well-written and interesting and timely resource every day. How do you how do you go through all this information? Oh, I really I really appreciate it. I'm glad you like it. Also, um, you know, it's I've been doing stuff on the web for about 20 years or however long this stuff has been around, and that I've always come back to doing this newsletter or this app uh, because it's just really in my wheelhouse. It's just I have weird. Everybody has a certain weird skills, I guess, that they're good at. And for some reason, I've always been a news addict since I was a kid, and I've always been pretty good at being able to, A, figure out what people will be interested in, and B, sort of be able to summarize it pretty quickly and write about it pretty quickly. So those two skills sort of come together in next draft. I'm not sure they're too marketable in other ways, but uh, that's one of the joys of the Internet. You can sort of create something that represents your creativity and skills as opposed to having to fit those skills into some other role. But, uh, you know, basically I just, it's, I was probably a little faster when I was younger, but I just, you know, I don't really have any great, uh, technique for it really and stuff. I just go really fast, uh, at looking for stories, uh, read them as quickly as I can to find sort of the money shot or the key piece of the story so that I can share that with people. And then the writing part, uh, usually takes probably about an hour and a half. The whole thing probably takes about three and a half, four hours. Interestingly, if there's, more good stories or interesting stories of the day for me to go through and pick from. It's actually a little faster. The slow days are really when I get down to the eighth story, the ninth story, and I just can't find anything good. Uh, that Usually there's a few weeks during the summer and during the holidays where it gets pretty tough because I think fewer journalists are doing sort of creative things during those periods. Well, the other so thing I sort of... Re- oh, oh so go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say the other thing I sort of rely on is I don't use any kind of RSS feed reader or any tricks like that. I just use, or not tricks, but any tools like that. I really just open up tabs. So I open up a couple hundred tabs every morning 
Uh, and I sort of try to derive as much benefit as I can from what the editors of the sites have already done, the work they've already done. So that's one reason why a lot of people are surprised that I don't just use a stream or use an RSS feed, but I really want to see how sites are laid out. You know, when I go to the New York Times, an, an editor or several editors have gone to the trouble of laying out that front page based on what they think is important. And I really use that a lot so that I can save some time by making sure that I look at the design of a site, not just a list of headlines. And also, I'm, I, get, I do follow a few good people on Twitter, and I do, uh, now that it's getting more popular, get submissions from sites or from editors, so that makes it a little bit easier also. Okay, so that's really fascinating, actually, because I, I'm always talking about optimizing things with using RSS feeds and also, do you know the site IFTTC? Uh, yeah, that you can make little tools. Yeah, so you can make these automations. So, for instance, when I find something that I find interesting on my feed reader, I can save it through Feedly, and then IFTTC will put it on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and it'll, it'll create a, uh, my interesting things of the week post. I mean, I, I do this once a week, so it's still – I, I actually think it would be stressful for me to have to come up with this stuff each day, but the fact that you're doing it by just opening all these tabs is also really interesting because you can see the genuineness, I think, that comes through with the comments that you write. And what I also like is that I've discovered some really interesting sources through your newsletters. Um, I know that you pull from, you know, courts a lot, and you'll pull from uh, the uh, Atlantic a lot. But there's all these really random sources, too, that I find. I mean, are you are you literally opening all of these different sources every day and checking them out? Uh, it's a combination. I do open a lot of sources, and I've discovered a few of them also through the same way, you know, following people on Twitter and they link to a story or, uh, you know, I'll use other sort of sites that list the most popular news of the day or whatever. I use a few of those also. Um, but yeah, that, those sort of more obscure stories from obscure sites, which I, I personally find to be the most, uh, sort of interesting in some way because it's really stuff that people probably wouldn't have seen before, you know. Uh, those I usually will find maybe through somebody, a Facebook friend or uh, somebody on Twitter that posts that story. Um, in the early days of the newsletter, I've done this twice, actually. I did it about 10 years ago and I relaunched it about a year ago. And, um, you know, one of my concerns early on, a friend of mine that I built a few sites with kept saying, you should bring back Next Draft. And I said, I don't know, in today's web or Internet where people are having so many so many stories fed to them through Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else, I'm not sure they want another source for news. And he sort of felt, well, I think people need it now more than ever because they're sort of overwhelmed and inundated by all this stuff. They need somebody to say, here's a few things to focus on and sort of a – clean, quiet space that doesn't change, really. You know, you get your newsletter, you open your app, and it's static. It sort of stays the same, and you can come back to it if you want. Uh, and he did turn out to be right, I think, because people do seem to have responded to it. Um, but at the at, when I first relaunched it, I was sort of focused on trying to be exhaustive. I felt like if I'm going to write a daily newsletter focused on news, I have to make sure that I don't miss any top stories. And it was really, I have more stories than in more links, and I felt a sort of a, a obsession with making sure people didn't email me and say, hey, how can this be a newsletter on news, and you missed these three big stories today about something that happened at our embassy in Iran and something that happened in Washington about this political 
debate. And over time, I realized that really that wasn't the value of being exhausted. The web is already exhausted. People can find the news they really want or the top stories of the day pretty easily. So I really narrowed it down to what do I find interesting, what do I find fascinating that day, and sort of shut out all the other noise and just made it 100% personality-driven. Here are the 10 stories. If I was looking at the web today, I will be likely to read. And that really was actually sort of a breakthrough moment to sort of narrow it down and say, I don't have to be everything. I just have to be what people are really looking for. And I think tools like Next Draft and most blogs and by following most people on Twitter is the personality-driven stuff. They're not looking for exhaustiveness. They're looking for specificity and uniqueness. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I've almost developed like a trust in you without even ever meeting you that I, I know that when you put out content, not only is it going to be interesting to me, but it's something that I can then synthesize and actually use, whether it's as minimal as being able to talk to somebody about it and tell my wife about an interesting story or actually using it for something actionable in my own work and my own blog. So um, what I want to know, too, is did any of this sort of automated or outsourced? Do you, do you actually go ahead and then create the newsletter yourself as well? And I mean, like, is any part of this done by other people or other things? No, no, it's definitely – I don't work and play well with others. So uh, <laughs> this is definitely definitely just me. I, I also invest in Internet startups, so that's sort of my – other half of my day is spent doing that kind of stuff and working with other people and – uh, advising them and, um, you know, benefiting from feedback and exchanges. But next draft is sort of my own thing. So uh, I don't outsource anything. I don't automate anything. I'm probably inefficient in some ways. But, yeah, I just open my tabs, find the stories, and go. So as soon as I get done talking to you, I'll be, you know, I've found my stories for the day. So I'll start writing, and that process will probably take about 90 minutes from beginning writing to proofreading and sending. Okay, so I'm actually I'm loving this even more because I, I'm sure people listening to the podcast are going to be really surprised as to why I actually wanted to talk to you about this since you're basically saying you don't do any of the things that I'm recommending people do on a, on a daily basis. But the truth is, is less doing has two sides of it. Whether you're going to be efficient in everything that you're doing or you're going to choose one thing that you want to do better than anybody else, which is clearly what Dave is doing, that's as much less doing as anything else is as far as I'm concerned. So the the last question that I want to ask, which I, I ask everybody on the show, uh, is what are your top three personal productivity tips, the, the, the three things that just make you able to kick ass each day? Uh, sure. I'd say uh, one thing probably is uh, it, it sounds – I think it's sort of cliche at this point, but I do try to take breaks. Um, uh, I get so focused and so tense when I'm doing stuff like this, even after I've done it a million times every day. I still, I'm pretty addicted to pressing the publish button. So when I'm working on it, I'm really focused and uh, probably too tense and getting some carpal tunnel here and there and all those kind of issues. So one of my key productivity tips is just walking around the block. I have an office that has a block that probably takes me about five minutes to walk around. So I try to do that once every I mean, two or three times every time I'm doing a newsletter. And that actually really makes a difference, just getting out, stretching my legs, getting the blood flowing, just getting away from the screen, because uh, I just really lock in. Uh, my other productivity tip is actually don't overdo it when it comes to productivity apps. If you're not the type that needs that stuff, I, for months, was sort of researching a really good productivity app for to-do lists. And... The truth is I'm just not that type of person. I just don't have that type of personality. I don't have – before the 
you know, mobile app age. I didn't have a method for keeping a to-do list with a pencil and paper either. I just sort of kept it in my head, and that's the way I functioned. And I actually found that one of my biggest productivity slowdowns was trying to find tools to help me be more productive because I just couldn't find tools that matched my personality type. And I think sometimes uh, we get sort of obsessed with the shiny new thing, and there's a new app that comes out, and it's beautifully designed and clean and, you know, inviting and easy to use, and the UI is perfect. But if if you don't have a problem with something, even though it's tempting, I wouldn't try to find a solution, a technological solution to that something, because I think sometimes that can be a rabbit hole that actually makes you less productive and less happy. Um, and the other productivity tip I have actually has to do with really understanding for each individual what it is that you consider to be productive. And, uh, you know, I find a lot of times that I'm working on next draft in the morning and maybe finding some stories at home before I come to my office, and my son is trying to talk to me about something that's going on that day at school or at camp, or my daughter wants me to check out the shirt she's wearing or listen to a story she's telling, and I'm sort of distracted and looking at my screen trying to make sure I can get the stories because I'm sort of focused. And so every few weeks I try to sit down, and I'm bad at this like most people in our era, but I try to get better at it. I just try to sit down and think, like, what is it exactly that I want to be productive at? You know, when I'm 10 years from now, is it going to matter whether or not my newsletter was averaged getting out at 1.05 p.m. Pacific or 1.20 Pacific? Or is it going to matter whether or not I was, you know, making sure that my kids felt like they had my focus and making sure that I was spending time, you know, like the walk around the block, taking care of myself and not getting carpal tunnel syndrome and, it, I think it's really easy, especially on the web, when information is constantly coming at you to feel like you have to be there every minute and you can't miss a thing or you're going to fall behind. And the truth is that that stuff really doesn't matter. You can miss a week and you come back and you catch up when you need to. You can miss a minute, that's for sure. But it really does sort of become addicting. So every now and then just sitting back and saying, what is it exactly that I want to be productive at and making sure that I adjust my behavior as much as I can to, to focus on those things instead of focusing on a few minutes here or a few minutes there in terms of staring at the screen, which is my addiction, like many people who are listening probably. Well, Dave, I, I love every single thing that you've said, uh, and I love the newsletter, and I'm, I'm, I'm so everyone, I insist that everybody listening, if you aren't already a subscriber, you have to sign up for Next Draft, and it's nextdraft.com. And, Dave, thank you so much for your insight and taking this time to talk to me. All right. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot.